My name is Matthew Wayne Selznick, and this is Sonitotum. Episode 26. Hello, everyone. It's uh, Thursday, November 19th. 2020. It's uh, a little bit after eight o'clock at night as I record this. And it's been, what, three weeks or so since the last episode, wherein I revealed the big plan. And I thought perhaps I should update all y'all on um, how that's going, what's been on my mind. Response to the big plan was largely quiet, but There were a couple of comments from folks. Nick, thank you for uh, writing. You said thanks for sharing and that you enjoyed the big plan. Chances are you are going to enjoy the big plan (laughs) or you did enjoy the big plan more than I'm enjoying uh, attempting to execute on it. But that's that's just the way these things go. But I do appreciate that you reached out and uh Sheila wrote to say that she was in awe of my thoughtfulness in planning and sharing. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate that, but it comes down to just being transparent, deciding to just share it. And the tricky part is actually deciding that it's actually important enough to, well, not, not that it that it's important enough, but remembering (laughs) that it's important enough, maintaining the intensity of conviction after having written down the big plan to actually go through with it. And that's, that's more or less what I want to talk about in this episode. So yeah, here's where it's at. I, uh, I'm done with the outline for the perfumed air at Kwanantag Bay, which is the novella that sits between Light of the Outsider, my last novel, and Shadow of the Outsider, my next novel. The outline is done. I've written a scene, two scenes, actually. And uh, I, hmm. <laughs> I haven't done much more on it. And I'm telling myself it's because I really should get something else off the plate, something else that's promised to some of you before I really dive deep into the next thing. And that is the audiobook version of Light of the Outsider. So rather than spending the little time I have on creative stuff, working on the first draft of uh, the perfumed air at Kwanantag Bay, I've been really pushing on trying to edit pieces of the audiobook. I don't know if I, I don't remember if I shared the mess <laughs> that is the audiobook. I recorded it under less than ideal circumstances. And I discovered way after the fact that. There's a lot of nasty clicking and noises in the raw audio. And it's, it's distracting. I think it's distracting. I, it's entirely possible that I'm overly sensitive to it because I can hear it. 
because it's my voice, but I it, it's adding to the time that it takes to prepare the uh, the final audiobook files. I'm about sixty four percent of the way through, and I'm I, especially in the last week or so, I've really been pushing to do at least another scene every single day. So today's the 20th. By the end of next week, with any luck, I will have finished with those edits and I can package it up and get it to the people who pre-ordered it, low who these many months ago, and also get it up on uh, ACX, which is audible.com. Now, the thing about Audible is they are way backlogged. I have a client that I produced an audiobook for. And uh, we put their thing up on ACX, which is sort of like the self-publishing hub for audible.com, the audiobook distributor. Uh, Gosh, more than a month ago. And Audible ACX still has not been able to approve it for uh, release. So that's how far behind, how backlogged they are. I don't know if it's because they have a smaller staff because of the pandemic or if it's because they have a higher volume of submissions because of the pandemic, or both. But even if I finish the audiobook, it's going to be probably um, a month or two before it's available to the public at large on Audible and iTunes and, and other audiobook distribution platforms. So I'll be selling it from my own website for a while maybe just ongoing. So if you didn't pre-order it during the pre-order time, which was this past spring, um, it will be available to purchase. And that's the sort of the last piece of Light of the Outsider that, that I'm, I still have obligations to fulfill. And I really want to. I want to I be done with that. I, wanna, I, I don't like the idea that people spent money on supporting the production of that novel in its various forms, and I haven't been able to deliver everything that they've paid for yet, and it's been months. So I made the decision to focus uh, that time when I could be writing on Perfumed Air to, to spend that time finishing the audiobook for Light of the Outsider. That's one reason. The other reason is that novella scares the shit out of me. It deals with a lot of really uh, things that are going to require me to dig deep into uh, some personal stuff, uh, grief and um, mourning and release of the status quo and so many themes that are they're just going to be hard to to deal with. And I know that in the writing of the novella, I'm going to have to look straight at those things through the eyes of my characters, and it's going to suck. <laughs> um, now I know, and I've talked about it on this show, that that is the point, that it's supposed to be difficult, it's supposed to be challenging. And it will be. And I'll do it. And then it'll be done. <laughs> but I've been doing um, 
I've been doing sort of auxiliary activities related to the novella and to the Shaper's world as a whole. I, I kind of made a decision that for the for these bridge novellas between the novels, for the covers, I'm going to have landscape shots that are related to the setting and the activity in, in the novella. And for those landscape shots, I've been experimenting with uh, creating 3D, uh, you know, computer-generated landscapes, photorealistic landscapes. I'm not quite at the photorealistic stage yet, but it, it's, it's something that's always interested me. And it's something that I believe, I mean, it is a marketable skill. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I've been playing kind of double duty, uh, learning how to do some of this stuff under the guise of needing to create this cover and under the, the guise of uh, a reason not to write <laughs> the novella and face all that nasty stuff that I will have to face. So I've pretty much have the cover for uh, the perfumed air at Quan and Tag Bay. Not entirely satisfied with it, but again, I'm learning as I go. For those of you who are interested, and I'll have links in the show notes, I'm using a really fantastic program called World Creator. Um, it's a 3D landscape designer. The thing is, it's, it's the way th 3D landscape or any kind of 3D art works. And by the way, when I say 3D, I don't mean like look through glasses with a red lens and a blue lens and have it pop off the screen coming at you. <laughs> uh, when I say 3D graphics, I mean like photorealistic landscapes that you can view from all angles within specialized software that you then, what they call render, so that it creates a still image that is completely made up. Everything from the, the, the sky to the lighting, to the clouds, to the, to the vegetation, to, you know, the whole bit entirely made up of pixels. And if you wonder that anything like that could actually be realistic, let me tell you, it's, it's kind of crazy. If you have seen any episode of the Mandalorian, the Disney Plus TV series, the Star Wars uh, related TV series. Many of the backgrounds, the landscape backgrounds that you see don't exist. They're entirely 3D graphics, uh, special effects, computer generated fake worlds. <laughs> and I defy you to, to know like which part of the land is actually there on the soundstage and which part is completely invented in any one of those uh, episodes. It's, it's nutty, but that's the level of detail that you can, you can have. And what's fascinating is the software that's being used to create that, those landscapes and those, those backgrounds, the scenery in the Mandalorian is called Unreal Engine. And the same software sits on my computer. It's free. <laughs> so I have these tools at my disposal. I just don't yet have the knowledge 
the the skill to use them to their full effect. And so I've been spending time kind of learning that because, uh, again, it's the sort of thing that I would like that to eventually be part of what I do for clients and whatnot is, is help create that kind of art, whether it's for book covers or, or you know, who knows. So that's been going on. I've been working with World Creator. And, and in World Creator, what you do is that you kind of create the scene and then you can use other programs like Unreal Engine or, um, well, there's many others, Blender. I'll have some links in the show notes at mattselznick.com. But you use, a, a, you use World Creator to kind of create the scene, sculpt the landscape and all that kind of stuff. And then you export that basic information into a renderer, which does all the magic to make the light look like real light and the fog look like real fog and proper depth of field and the proper textures for the rocks and stones and plants and things. And I'm almost quoting a horse with no name by America. I'm going to try to avoid continuing on that, uh, on that path. <laughs> Link will be in the show notes. <laughs> so yeah, world creator. I, I, I've kind of got that. I, I understand that the next step, getting a really good render out of Unreal Engine or or Blender or one of those, still very much learning that. Also, I've been working on pre-writing stuff for the next novel, Shadow of the Outsider. And that's, that's uh, I'm letting that have its pace. You know, I, I, I had the basic story for Light of the Outsider in my head for decades. There's a blog post I wrote about sort of the origin of that novel, which I will link to. And, you know, it, it's sophomore album syndrome, right? The first album from a band, they've, they've been working on it since they were in a garage, brand new. The second album, they write in hotel rooms while they're on tour, right? And it's expected in a year. Yeah, well, the second novel... I have a general idea where I want to go with it, but I need to work out a lot. And I'm letting it percolate. I understand kind of when it takes place. I understand what the antagonist is trying to achieve and what the protagonists will have to try to, um, what they will have to face. I know that some already established characters will be in it, but I also know there'll be some new characters. And with new characters comes new backstories and new motivations and new understanding. And the other thing that's really kind of a big thing, both with the perfumed air at Kwan and Tag Bay and Shadow of the Outsider, the world of these pieces of fiction is, is it's a much larger stage. By design, more or less, Light of the Outsider takes place pretty much in one neighborhood of one city in a tiny little corner of the continent. And that meant that I didn't really have to suss out <laughs> large chunks of the world. And um, the thing is, is that the perfumed air at Kwan and Tag Bay takes place all the way across the continent in a wholly different place, not the same country, not the same culture. 
And we have some characters who come from Light of the Outsider that are in it. So I've got some viewpoint characters to help kind of describe this completely new place. But it's uh, I've got to I've got to make it make sense. Right. I've got to do the world building. And I know I keep promising I'm going to do an episode on world building and I will uh, maybe next week. But it's the same thing with Shadow of the Outsider. Shadow of the Outsider, there's going to be many different settings because it's, it's a much larger stage. And the third book, War of the Outsider, will also uh, be uh, international in scope. So I've got to work some of these things out, both for uh, Perfumed Air and for Shadow of the Outsider. Now, you might ask why. Uh, why can't I just make it up and have it work out? And so what if it, it's all, here's why, because if you've been listening or reading me for any amount of time over the years, you know, that one of my interests is creating, uh, what I call, and I'm probably not alone in this, but what I call a personal franchise which means that the whole story world of the Shaper's world, it's not just for novels. It's to tell stories in any variety of uh, media. And potentially, it's not just for me to tell those stories. So the setting has to have internal consistency. Many of the details, not all the details, but many of the details need to be worked out. And I don't want to do a whole lot of what they call in the comic book industry, retconning, retroactive continuity, where you make things up kind of on the fly over the months, the years, the decades, and you look back and, oh, man, this particular thing completely contradicts this other thing. And this doesn't make sense if this thing is true, but this thing isn't. And it's a whole big mess. And you have to go and sort of like come up with these convoluted reasons why the stuff that doesn't make sense does. It's a pain in the ass, and it, it destroys verisimilitude. So as much as possible, I need to lay down the broad strokes, the, the sort of defining sketches, if you will, that define this world, the Shaper's world. And so uh, doing some of that while I'm thinking, thinking, thinking about what is going to happen in Shadow of the Outsider and to whom and how it will build from Light of the Outsider and influence and shape War of the Outsider and everything that follows. One of the ways that I've been thinking about this is by working on the map of Cabrith, which is the, the sort of central continent where 90% of the action takes place, at least for now. And at this stage, and I'm not going to get too deep into it, you know, I'll save something for the, for the world building episode. But at this stage, that involves a lot of, of sort of methodical drawing of the map of this imaginary place. And the, the process that I'm using is it's meditative and it allows me while I'm sort of, it's almost like, you know, how your mind will wander and you come up with great ideas while you're in the shower, or you're doing the dishes while I'm working on this map. 
it's mentally immersing me in the world. While I'm working on the world, I'm I'm in it, you know, I'm thinking about it. And as I'm drawing out the coastlines that define the perimeters of this continent, uh, it's helping me think about scale and environments and how where we live and what it's like influence how we live and who we are and culture and all those things. And so it's time well spent, but I will, you know, I'll be honest, there hasn't been a whole lot of actual writing of manuscript. And again, I feel a little um, guilty about that because I know that one of the reasons that I'm not working on actual manuscript is because it's scary. Um, for reasons that I mentioned before. Uh, but I'm still, I'm trying to make the most of the time, trying to create. So there you go, folks. That's what's up. That's, uh, I know that this isn't really much of a teaching episode, and neither was the last one. But um, I didn't want to, you know, uh, I didn't want too much more time to go on without having another episode. Next episode I will make the world building episode with, with some teachable, actionable stuff. I'll get into my process, um, especially regarding the shapers world. And I'll try to make it a little bit more like, you know, stuff that you can think about that you can uh, put into your own works and not just fantastical or science fiction or fantasy works, but any kind of fiction, any kind of storytelling where you have to create an environment and present it in a realistic fashion when that environment might not truly exist. I'll talk a little bit about the personal franchise aspect of it and some of the ways that these things can be re, uh, repurposed. And that'll be next episode. That's it for now, though. My name is Matthew Wayne Selznick. Take care. Thank you.